Isn't common sense supposed to be common? The struggle is real, my friends. The Kate Daly Show starts now. The holidays are here. So head to Macy's for unbeatable deals on a winter wardrobe for the whole family. Men's blazers starting at $49.99. Cashmere tops for her from $79.99. And for your little ones, Macy's has the festive fashions that'll have them saying, It's too for wrestling your wiggly little monster into thick winter clothes. So all month long, we're taking 25% off boys' merino wool sweaters that won't fit over his head. If you stop squirming, it would be on already. And for your little girl, it's half off all hard, shiny shoes that hurt. The weather outside may be frightful, but in Macy's, we've got kids' jackets so big and thick, they won't fit in their car seat anymore. And save an extra 10% on snow boots that are so hard to put on, it'll strain your marriage. Sorry. You need to put her foot in sideways and twist it. Well, if you can do it, then do it! Plus, everyday savings on mittens they'll lose, shirts with the wrong frozen princess, sweaters that make them hot, flannels that make them hot. We know it's awful for them and for you, but one day they'll be too old to wear cute little clothes like this and you'll miss it. So suck it up and get down to Macy's. The clothes they'll hate create the memories you'll love. Welcome, Kate Daly's show on a Friday. I I still love that uh, Saturday Night Live commercial because it speaks to the reality of sometimes this month, yet, yet not really the reality of what we're celebrating. So I'm going to give you a big contrast right now. And in the show today, I have uh, Daryl Eves calling in um, about the new Chosen Christmas. I have some history for you. I also, I I hope that you find today's show inspiring and I have a lot of stuff to cover. So, and I do want your calls too. So the phone lines will be open and I want you to be thinking about the best gift you've ever received. Okay. Um, for Christmas, because I think a lot of people are kind of at a loss for what to get. And you see a lot of people on Facebook and social media talking about, what do I get? I don't know what to buy everybody. And, and, you know, yada, yada, yada. And that is one of the realities of Christmas. So what I'm saying is, if you want to call in with the best gift you've ever received, we'll take those calls too. I'll take those calls too. Um, So, uh, okay, let's well, let's start here. I'm going to give you a big contrast of, of Christmas. And this is, the, this is what I, I grew up listening to. This was the Peanuts Christmas. And it really goes back to the meaning. So I give you the Saturday Night Live reality version for a lot of parents find themselves saying those same things or in that situation. I totally get it. Um, but it's kind of what we've turned Christmas into. But I do want to talk about the meaning of Christmas and really the birth that changed the world. And I also want to give you some history about what we used to do on Christmas. Really fascinating history. I don't think I've ever covered on the show before in 13 years. Can you believe it? So here is the Peanuts Christmas, which I absolutely love. Here you go. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. 
For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Do they still play that? I don't know if they do or not. I sure hope they do. I have a feeling it's probably kind of waned, hasn't it? And it's so sad because I thought it was the cutest depiction um, ever. But I know you all remember It's a Wonderful Life. And um, I don't know if you, so you remember this clip. Here we go. That's a Christmas present from a very dear friend of mine. That's right. That's so right. Cute. <laughs> I love it. Don't you love that? Doesn't it bring back a lot of fond memories for you? Okay. So I don't know if you knew this about that movie. Here we go. During the memorable scene where George Bailey prays in the bar, he suddenly starts to cry. The crying wasn't in the original script, nor was the actor told to cry by the film's director. In fact, Jimmy Stewart only had recently returned home from World War II and was so overcome with emotion during the scene that he simply started crying for real. Oh, I love that. Don't you love that? Most people don't realize that. And, uh, you know, um, I just have to say, I we were talking about World War II yesterday, and there are so many tender memories to that. I spoke to my dear friend, uh, Don Fotheringham, who wrote The President Makers. It's like a must-read for this show. If you want to know why we have some of the views we do go back to the president makers by Don Fotheringham and order that book. Okay. It's on Amazon. You can get it. And I'm telling you, it'll, it'll explain a lot. And he served in world war II, and he's one of the last, you know, he's 96 years old and still going strong and he'll be coming on the show. We'll be talking about a myriad of things, but hopefully next week. But, um, I'll tell you what, uh, just because we were talking about that yesterday, I, I kind of wanted to to cover that a little bit as far as World War World War Two and and his thoughts and feelings uh, when he, Jimmy Stewart when he came home from that very very fascinating. So let me let me talk for a moment just about the birth that changed the world because I think if there was any book if there was any birth that had more impact on us as human beings that had um, that had more just. Uh, sound goodness to it that had more of everything. I mean, I I could go on and on, right? It would be the birth of Christ. It would be the Bible. It has affected more lives. It has affected more change. It has affected more goodness than anything. And of course, in the 1946 film, can you believe it's 1946? Um, It's a wonderful life. You know, God sends an angel named Clarence to earth to show George Bailey, uh, played by Jimmy Stewart, what life would be like if he had never been born. And the moral of the movie is really about the fact that each person's life, no matter who you are, I don't care, whoever's listening to this, your life has changed the world. Because without it, I mean, so many things have happened. So many people that you've come in contact with, so many of your loved ones whose lives would have been inherently changed had you not been born, okay? You're very important. And so this is a way to talk about really how to influence many other lives for good in a way. So every birth changes the world in which he lives because things are different. 
no matter whether you think you've had impact or not, no matter what you think of your life or not, it has absolutely changed the life of others. That's pretty amazing to think about that. And so then, of course, you have Christ, who in, whose birth we're talking about. And I say, I say this show and I talk about these things with no apology. If it's Christmas and we can't talk about the birth of Christ, then why have it? Why celebrate it? It's almost as if, yeah, okay, you can, you can, you, you can say Christmas and, and you can uh, get away from the whole Santa thing and you can, talk, you, you can celebrate Christ's birth, but we don't mention it. It's like the elephant in the room now in our culture which is very wrong. It's very wrong. I don't know why or how we came to that place other than self-censorship. I think that's truly the reason. But George Bancroft said, I find the name of, of Jesus Christ written on top of every page of modern history. Very true. And really on the page, every page of history. And if you notice, it's BC, right? It's before Christ or after Christ. That's a pretty substantial being that's a pretty substantial birth okay and so we don't know the exact date of of christ's birth in in some ways right um it's we we celebrate it in december but um of course bc are for is for uh before christ and then of course uh ad means in the year of our lord so very 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 substantial and i love that because i think it really kind of it really kind of speaks to the, the importance, the overall importance of every page of history. Okay? Every page of history. It's either before his birth or in the year of the Lord. So I think pretty much it'd be hard not to talk about this at Christmas time. It is about him, you know? And what would it be like had um, Christ never been born? right? Christ restored value to human life. So Christians in Rome rescued abandoned babies. Why? Because their master said, let the little children come to me. Okay. So there are so many different things that have come from the knowledge, the knowledge of Christ, which is really, really amazing to me. Wilbur, uh, William Wilbur, um, forced labor 25 years, uh, 25, I'm sorry, 45 years to abolish slavery in England. And Jesus and his followers have done more to reduce uh, poverty and suffering more than anyone else in history. His parable to the Good Samaritan influenced many people along the way, even General William Booth. And today there are Christian rescue missions in every major city. Christians and churches give more than $19 billion a year to the needy. And many of the world's languages were set to a writing by Christian missionaries. And of course, uh, the McGuffey Reader, written by a Presbyterian minister, was the backbone of American education for 75 years. So many things. So many early U.S. colleges and universities. Now, I know they've been taken over. They were started by Christian people for Christian purposes in the very, very beginning. Isn't that amazing? Do we ever really think about that? I don't know if we do, but we should because it's that vital to the understanding of what we're actually celebrating, right? And if Christ could save Saul, right, he can save anyone. And of course, uh, the roll call, former prisoners, prostitutes, abortionists, alcoholics, drug addicts, bank robbers, murderers, communists, atheists, skeptics, criminals, gang leaders, 
and those that have come to know Christ, lives completely changed. Can you name anyone in history that has had that kind of effect? Of course not, because he changed everything with the atonement, of course. So in today's show, I want to I share with you just a little bit of history, a little bit of how we used to celebrate it, and uh, I'll bring in some clips too, but there's so much to talk about in this, and I'm not going to be able to cover it, so we'll be covering it a little bit each day, I'm sure, but you know, there's nothing more happy than to talk about the good news of Christ being born, and in this month of December, I can't think of a better time to talk about this event, this major, major event that changed all of us through and through. Be right back. Kate Daly Show, katedalyradio.com. Stay with me. It's really important that we take care of ourselves for our sake and the sake of our family, taking balance of nature. I just feel better. I'm active. My wife and I go to the gym seven days a week. If the weather's nice like a day like this, I ride my bike. I've been taking balance in nature for the past 20 years. I won't give it up. I take balance of nature because it makes me feel great. I really thought that they paid people to say that stuff. And then I tried it. I was surprised. Balance of nature really was the game changer. I'm serious. It works. Celebrate Christmas with us. Go to balanceofnature.com and sign up as a new preferred customer to get 35% off your first order, plus a free fiber and spice supplement. Go to balanceofnature.com or call 1-800-246-8751 and get this exclusive holiday offer by using discount code KATE. This is the Kate Daly Show. How still we see the light above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars Love this, don't you? A little Elvis yeah. for you. And a little town of Bethlehem. If you don't know the story behind that, it's kind of sweet. Um, in fact, uh, let me give you that. It's uh, Philip Brooks. He was a rising young preacher, an abolitionist, and he asked to give the funeral address for President Abraham Lincoln. He must have been daunted by the task and, of course, uh, sure that his eloquent eulogy would be the most famous lines he would ever pen, but he was wrong. Uh, shortly afterward, exhausted from years of war, longing for some rest, he took a sabbatical from preaching to visit the Holy Land, right, and um, hoping to find some peace. And he was, as he visited um, Bethlehem and looked out at the landscape at night, the lines for the poem jumped in his mind, O little town of Bethlehem, still, how still we see thee lie above thy deep and dreamless sleep, a silent star goes by. And several years later, he came back to the poem and then completed it. His organist, Louis Redner, added the music, and the first it was first performed by a children's choir at his church, and then very quickly the verse was included in hymnals as a seasonal favorite. And uh, with uh, But one child who wasn't born yet would find special meaning in Brooks' song. Helen Keller, the famous educator who was born deaf and blind, met Brooks years later, and he was the one who explained the gospel to her for the first time. And through her teacher and translator, Ann Sullivan, she told Brooks, I've always known there was a God, but 
but until now have never known his name. And the third carol, uh, the third verse of the carol was written years before Brooks had met Keller, captures perfectly sort of this this joy of the song, of, of the salvation of the song, right? And uh, arriving to a, a deaf and blind child whose ears could not hear his coming, right? But whose heart had long recognized the presence. How si- Here's the verse. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. It's really sweet, isn't it? I love it. I love that. A lot of people, um, it's kind of hard to understand some of the meanings and some of the backdrops of these songs, but I think they give it so much more meaning, don't they? I mean, I think when I'm, when I'm hearing these songs, it's like, uh, go tell it on the mountain. Go tell it on the mountain. This was um, the original author and lyricist um, was actually a black man, an enslaved black man. And the call and the response of this this praise song really is "Go Tell It on the Mountain." Um, it was uh, it basically came about, and in 1907, John Wesley Work Jr. compiled and edited a number of songs, including this one, in a songbook, uh, Jubilee Songs and Folk Songs. Right, and the song was popularized decades before that. The original Fisk Jubilee Singers, yeah, started out in 1871. A brave little band of young people uh, led by George White, and many of them were former slaves, and their mission was to raise money for their struggling university through a singing tour. And so they began performing this song. And when money, when money ran out, they had to skimp to get coats to protect themselves, right? And uh, they were met with threats and hostility, but they kept singing and kept going. And uh, I love stories like this. And they had run out of funds when the most famous preacher of the day, Henry Ward Beecher, invited them to his church, and they began to sing the songs, uh, this one in particular, Go Tell It on the Mountain, that they had learned from their parents. And uh, and then, of course, donations started flowing in when they started singing at that particular church. It was was pretty amazing. And even uh, Queen Victoria herself, and they did a tour of England and became uh, more and more popular. So Go Tell It on the Mountain, the history of that. I love that. And also, I think when we're looking back at history, uh, Washington Irving and St. Nicholas, Washington Irving and cartoonist Thomas Nast were responsible for the character that we identify with today as Santa Claus. Christmas trees were popularized by Queen Victoria, whom I just mentioned, and her husband, Prince Albert. Uh, They put them in their house, and then all of a sudden, the elite started putting them in their houses, and then, of course... Everybody started putting them in their houses. And uh, author uh, Charles Dickens helped to establish a tradition of generosity at Christmas and, uh, and giving. But I do find all of these things kind of interesting. The visit from St. Nicholas or the night before Christmas. It's author Clement Clark Moore, a professor uh, who, who basically started writing about the St. Nicholas traditions and things like that. The only hard part for me is to see Santa Claus shadow out um, the birth of Christ, which I really do hope we bring the birth of Christ back to the birth of Christ and make Santa Claus a very, very tiny figure among them. Be right back. Kate. Hey, 